Amen. You believe that? He's God all the time. And He's good all the time. Amen. And He's good to us and His grace to us is sufficient. Welcome this Wednesday night. It's good to be in the house of the Lord. Amen. Would rather be here than anywhere else. Amen. We feel sorry for those who can't make it on Wednesday night. We know some work night shift and some work different shifts. And uh, we just feel sorry for them. You know, it's always good to be in the house of the Lord. And it is the house of the Lord. And it's good to be in His presence. Let's stand together. I wonder before we go to prayer, if we could sing that song. Uh, there is none like you. No one else can touch my heart like you do. As we sing that together, why don't you just invite the Lord to come and touch your heart tonight? Amen. There, there is none like you. No one else Brother Gilbert has already prayed. You are the one that changes hearts. You are the one, Lord, that can supernaturally come by an individual's way tonight and change their life forever. Bring them into the revelation of who they are in Christ Jesus. Lord, unfold the mysteries which have been hid from the foundation of the world. But yet you said in the last days would be revealed unto the sons of men in the days of the voice of the seventh angel. And Lord, we're not here for intellectual mysteries, but we're here for life-changing mysteries, O God. We invite you, Lord, to come by our way this evening. Lord, we're gathered together if there be needs here, and I'm sure there are. Father, if there be wants, there be, there be burdens, Lord, there be some things, oh God, requested. Lord, as they came to the service, maybe somebody just walking in the door said, Lord, I need something from you tonight. Lord, may you come by our way, oh God, and may you minister to the souls of every individual. Help the minister. He's just a man. Help him to get out of the way. That, Lord, the name of Jesus Christ would be glorified. And that your word would be made known to your children. Feed your sheep and your lambs. Take complete control. We ask as we give ourselves to you in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. Amen. Let's take our Bibles together and turn together to the book of Matthew chapter 9. Matthew chapter 9 and verse uh, 20 is where we'll be reading from tonight. Familiar scripture. As I 
bring you greetings from many brethren who would want to send their greetings uh, this evening. And uh, I was talking with Brother Stephen Abali uh, today, this morning, texting with him. Actually, he says he says it's getting so much. He says that uh, that uh, there's often as many as 40 van loads of people coming to the meetings. And I tell you what, when that begins to happen, you you know revival's on. And, uh, you know, it's just spontaneous. It's just the Lord. It's not something man-made. And uh, we just say, uh, may the Lord just bless it abundantly. And uh, we're thankful for all that God is doing there. And we're thankful for what God is doing here. Amen. It may not be the numbers or the quantity, but it is the same quality of believer here as it is anywhere in the world. Amen. Matthew chapter 9, I want to speak of the purifying of the bride of Jesus Christ tonight. Uh, just a little subject, and uh, if the Lord would help us, I, I thought maybe I would go um, in a certain direction. But, you know, sometimes uh, it's easy for us as ministers to think about a certain thought that inspires us, but when it comes right down to studying and waiting on God, uh, we just say, Lord, help us to be sensitive. And that's always what we do, uh, trying to just be sensitive to how the Lord would lead. So you just be mindful yourself how the Lord would lead the service and what you would desire from God tonight. Chapter 9 and verse 20. And behold, a woman which was diseased, diseased with a issue of blood 12 years came behind him and touched the hem of his garment. For she said within herself, if I may but touch his garment, I shall be whole. But Jesus turned him about, and when he saw her, she said, he said, Daughter, be of good comfort. Thy faith has made thee whole. And the woman was made whole from that hour. Amen. The Lord had his blessing to the word. You may be seated. Now this woman with 12 years of a blood issue... And the word issue does not mean that she had issues. It meant that the blood was issuing from her body. And uh, because she had had this for 12 years continually, that meant for 12 years, according to the law, she was unclean and was unable to worship God the way that she would desire to worship God. And coming to Jesus and touching the hem of his garment was a very significant move on her part. It wasn't something that was light because a woman in this condition was not to be touched. A woman in this condition was to be separate from the people. And she was to remain separate. And especially if I could say it this way, if she would have come to maybe Caiaphas, the high priest, and touched him, that would have defiled him. That would have made him, according to the law, unclean. Even as God speaking through Haggai in chapter 2 of Haggai, he says, you know, uh, he says to the people, he says, ask the priest concerning the law, if one bear holy flesh in the skirt of his garment, and with his skirt he do touch bread or pottage or wine or oil or any meat, Shall it be holy? So so if the priest has something holy and just the skirt of his garment, or we would say the hem of his garment, touch something, shall it be holy? And the priest says, no. 
And the answer according to the law is no. And then he says, if one that is unclean, uh, and he particularly says, by a dead body, touch any of these, shall it be unclean? And the priest answers and says, it shall be unclean. And so there is an aspect of uncleanliness here. Now, an aspect of defilement in the sight of God, that if a part is defiled, the whole thing is defiled. If something is defiled in a, in a portion, then the whole of it is defiled. It's not part defiled and part undefiled according to the law. And so it really brings us into the thought of, of you can't be divided in your thinking. You can't be divided in your life. And I want to come to this aspect of it tonight, but it, it, you can't, even as Jesus said, you can't serve God and mammon. All right? You can't love the world and love God too. All right, you can't, uh, Jesus says in one place, out of the same fountain cannot flow sweet water and bitter water. The nature of it is one way or the nature of it is another way. Even as he said to the Pharisee or to the disciples, he says, beware the leaven of the Pharisees. There's there's an aspect of something that you don't want to mix into your life. That will create a condition that you don't want to be in. But yet in this particular situation, as this woman in this defiled condition comes to Jesus and touches the hem of a garment, she found the answer for her defilement. So it was greater than the law. Praise the Lord. It was greater than anything the law had to offer her. It was greater than the priesthood. It was greater than what Moses could give her. It was greater than anything else because the purity and the holiness that was in Jesus Christ, when something unclean touched Jesus, it did not defile him, but rather the unclean thing was affected. Praise be to God. So in touching Jesus, she became clean rather than him becoming unclean. This is the greater reality of the, of the covenant that we walk under, which could not, uh, be done in the Old Testament, but this covenant overcame the deficiencies of the law. If I would go back to the Garden of Eden, and say how Adam and Eve, they become unclean in the sight of God. And they defiled themselves. And they were cast out from the Garden of Eden. And from there, God began his plan of redemption, foreshadowing it in the bleeding skins that he covered them with there, that he might save their lives and that he might bring them back to a place of fellowship. And on down through the ages, as he reflected it, that there was coming a blood that would be sufficient not just to cover sins, but to totally annihilate sin. Amen. So there's got to come a power, and that power was in the blood of Jesus Christ to annihilate the effect of sin in lives. Amen. Jesus came, the Bible says, to destroy the works of the devil. And the works of the devil began in the Garden of Eden. And how that he caused the fall of all creation. And how mankind and all of creation fell into, we might say, an unclean condition. And, but God in the Old Testament provided a way of living for Israel. But there was coming a pure blood that would redeem creation. And redeem mankind. And bring us back to a place where we could be pure in the sight of God. The Bible says in Matthew, Jesus said, Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Now, 
The law could not make a person clean. There was rituals of the law that could make the outward man clean. There were rituals of the law that the priesthood would go to, go through rather, and they would wash. And they would wear certain garments. If, if anyone touched a dead person, there were, there were instructions of the law of a water of separation that a person could go through to be clean again. But now, there were many that came to Jesus, and what the law could not make clean, the word could make clean. What the law could make clean, the revelation of the word to the individual could purify. And I want to say this now in particular that it's revelation because this woman touched him. But as Peter, Brother Branham brings it out in many places, he says, Peter liked to have rebuked Jesus when he said, who touched me? Because he said, I perceive virtue has gone out from me. So now here we see a situation where a woman by revelation comes to Jesus and desires to touch the hem of his garment. While many, you could say, Brother Branham, I think used this, the word jostling. Many, there were the, there was a crowd and they were pressing him and, and there, he was moving through the crowd. And there were many that, that, uh, maybe rubbed against him, but received nothing for their condition. But this woman, by the revelation, not just by the word being present, which the word is present tonight, but by the revelation of the word that was present, she realized this is the Holy One in Israel. This is one that is above the law. This is not just a high priest. If it was just a high priest, then he would have been defiled by her touching him. But rather, she says, I could be made whole. I could be made clean. If I can touch this one, there was something real to her. Touching Jesus is all that really matters. Then your life will never be the same. And and there was many in in conditions of defilement. And I want to I want to just make a note of something that Brother Branham says here before I continue on. We could talk about the, the ill-famed woman who washed his feet as they looked at Jesus, as as this woman was washing his feet, and they said, "If he knew who she was and what kind of a life that she lived, they did not want to be touched by her." But Jesus realized if she touched him, if she did a service to him, he said, "Her sins, which are many, are forgiven." Amen. Is that right? All right. There, there was the woman at the well. And this is, this is the statement that Brother Branham makes in the message voice of the sign. He says, to the elected, they see it. The elected, there's an election there. That there's something coming from the presence of God to purify that person. It's not a law that he brings to purify the individual. It's not the what Jesus did not say to the woman with the blood issue, your repentance has made you clean. Hello? He did not say to her, your your uh, uh you're touching my garment or your actions has made you clean. He says, Your faith has made you whole. 
the revelation that came to her because faith is a revelation and the revelation that God had delivered to her because there was something in her heart that could be quickened by the word of the hour and that would purify her from the inside out. It had to come to the inside first and that was the revelation that was laying in her heart and that purified her life. Jesus said in voice of the sign, he says, to the elected they see it. He says, like the little woman, talking about the woman at the well, the little woman with a pure heart in a defiled body. He says, and the Pharisees with a pure body and a defiled heart. He says, it condemned one and it saved the other. So which would you rather have, a pure body or a pure heart? I think sometimes, uh, I think sometimes in a Christian walk, we want to be perfect in our actions. But that isn't what gains us a cleansing in the sight of God. But rather, it's the pure in heart that shall see God. There's a seed on the inside of the inside. When revelation strikes it, it takes, takes it, takes that heart, takes that life from the impurity of the world and makes it pure before God. Are you with me so far? Yes. All right. You know, the Pharisees, the Sadducees, they were quite a crew, weren't they? They really thought they had a revelation of purity. They were, they were so pure. They took Jesus, whom they wanted dead, on just before the Passover, and they brought him to Pilate's hall or to the judgment hall to be condemned. But they wouldn't go into the hall lest they be made unclean. So they were more concerned with outward purity while in their hearts was murder. In their hearts, they wanted him dead. In their hearts was religious spirits. In their hearts was religious ideas that this man will will break down everything we've tried to build up. But this was the word of God. They ought to have been like the woman at the well. They ought to have been like the woman washing his feet with her tears. They ought to have been like so many that fell at his feet and and cried out for mercy. But instead, they were more concerned with outward purity than they were with inward purity. But I, I believe as believers that I think the one thing that we ought to be concerned with is that our hearts are right before God. Blessed are the pure in heart. You know, we, we believe in, in living above the things of the world. We believe that the things of the world do defile. But the separation from the defilement of the world is not because I tell you that it's wrong. It's not because I'm going to preach to you. Don't do this and don't do that. And really, you ought not to be living like this and you ought not to be living like that. Really, touching Jesus is all that really matters. When you get the revelation in your heart and your heart is right before God, the things of the world will naturally be uh, something that brings conviction in your life. And then you'll know within yourself, I don't want to do those things because that grieves the Holy Spirit. And grieve not the Holy Spirit whereby we are sealed unto the day of our redemption. Amen. Get the Holy Spirit on the inside of the inside. And then everything else just begins to fade away. 
You want to get rid of the world? Get more of Jesus. Amen. Get more purity of his presence. Touch the hem of his garments. Get close to the Lord Jesus Christ. Feed on the word of God, as we say. Bring the word into your life. Bring it into your mind. You know, I was, I've been studying on a subject. I may preach on it soon. I don't know. But, you know, a lot of times we, we don't realize the mind battles. And maybe I'll just drop something in here because it's in my mind, which is what I'm going to drop in, is that we don't realize that how much we afflict our own selves by the things that we allow in our minds. We do our own selves damage. And as the Bible talks about the weapons of our warfare, which are mighty to God, to the pulling down of strongholds and bringing into captivity every thought, uh, every imagination that exalts itself against the word of God. The word imagination there is not just imagination as one of the five realms of the mind, but it's the word imagination as it refers to the entire pattern of thought. And so there are things, Brother Ernie was touching on it when he spoke last week, and and how there are things in our mind realm that we don't realize that we allow the devil to play around with our own minds. We're living in that kind of an hour where the devil is bombarding the lives of all through the media that we have become so connected to. Everything. Whether you walk down the street... Whether you go through the stores, whether you have your, your, uh, you look at something on the internet, whether it's reading the news, whether it's shopping on the internet, that's where I like to do my shopping. I don't like to go to the mall, I like to pull up a certain store and, and they got everything there. So I'll have one of these and one of those and one of those, check out, bang, I'm done. That's the way I like to do my shopping. And, uh, but you know, even going through there, no matter where you end up in this age, the devil's trying to bombard your mind. And he's trying to bring an affliction. I'm not in that subject tonight, but he's trying to bring an affliction. But we allow certain things that we ought not to allow. And by allowing those, and I just dropped this in here. Others have touched on it, Brother Ernie. I think it was touched on on the weekend as well. I was marveling on it because I was studying it myself. And and how that we allow certain things that actually cause us anxiety. And actually feed Spirits of depression and feed spirits of, of, of all kinds of what the world calls mental problems, but we're allowing it. Okay. I'm not there tonight to go into the details of the studying of it, but I'll just say you've got to use the weapons of your warfare to shut the devil off because it's got to come from the inside out, not from the outside in. Not sure why I went down that road. But here we are. Do you love the Lord? Amen. Bible says, as it was in the days of Noah, so shall it be in the revealing of the Son of Man. It's easy to say, as it was in the days of Sodom. We recognize it was, or as it was in the days of Lot, which is a Sodomite age. We see that all around us. But in Noah's age, it says, God saw the wickedness of man that the wickedness of man was great in the earth and that every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. We've come to that age again. And we're in this time now where it, it's, it's really flourished and come into the open because of the 
you know, the, the media that's all out there. And I, 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 I admit I, I'm not really an expert on it because I'm not on Twitter. And I'm not on Facebook. And I'm not on all those things. And because those things are not, uh, really things that matter to me. But I read about them. And I read what they do and how people are on them and, and how people use them to convey all kinds of evil imaginations. A lot of criticism and a lot of tearing down. No matter what people do, people will criticize it. Right. Is that right? No matter what happens out there, there will people be people that is against it. You know, I, I think someone said recently, what if Jesus walked on the earth in this hour? What would they say about him on Twitter? Or what would they say about him on, on uh, Facebook or Instagram or whatever? It doesn't really matter what the name of the, the social media is or the medium is or television or, or whatever more it might be. What would they say about him? There'd be all kinds of evil to say about it. And as it was in the days of Noah, the thoughts of man, the thoughts of his heart, the imagination of the thoughts of his heart is only evil continually men and women in their hearts looking at the hinder parts of one another and everybody seeing the evil thing that is there we are in that kind of an age but as brother bisco spoke we are in the world but we are not of the world we are here in this hour we have to live in the midst of it but we don't want to be like it can you say amen to that if you've got a critical spirit you've got to get rid of it let me say that again. That's not the pure in heart. That's the thoughts of man being evil continually. The imagination of the thoughts of his heart. If there's things that you look at other people and you see the evil rather than the good, you've got to check your experience. You've got to examine yourself and say, Lord, am I really where I want to be? Am I living in an unclean condition or a clean condition? How does my heart look before the Lord? Because if it doesn't look clean before God, I need to touch the hem of his garments. I need some virtue to flow from the presence of God into my life and say, Lord, don't let me be a critic in this hour because there is lots to criticize. Amen. But don't let me be one of the critics. Don't let me be one of the accusers. Don't let me be like Balak to Balaam as Israel was going down through the wilderness as he tried to show Balaam the hinder parts of Israel. And and there was Israel in moving through the wilderness. They had lots to criticize. But God looked at them and recognized these as pure in heart. He recognized them as desirous to follow God. Yeah, they had lots of things going wrong. There were some that were amongst them that maybe were were hypocrites in many ways. But God saw that in the midst of these people, there was a provided sacrifice. In the midst of these people, he was moving amongst them. He was working out his redemptive plan. He was unfolding things that nobody else could see. But God saw something coming into manifestation. Amen. It was a great difference. Balak saw the hinder parts, but Rahab, when she saw what was going on, she says, I see God is with you. I see God is in your midst. And and when you take Jericho, I want to be a part of the victory, not a part of the defeat. Amen. That was the difference in just a few words. My, you know, a large part of the law 
was to place a difference between that which is clean and that which is unclean. That which is holy and that which is unholy. And, and God speaks to Aaron in, in Leviticus and he's, and he talks about strong drink and approaching the tabernacle. And, and he says that you might put a difference between these two things, holy and unholy, clean and unclean, and that you might teach the children of Israel the same thing. And, and then he, he talks in the next chapter about, uh, animals and different creatures. And there's a difference between clean and unclean. And then a couple chapters later, he talks about, uh, the law of leprosy and the law of the plague and the law, uh, of different things that, that happen with people. He says to teach that what is unclean and what is clean. So there has to be a, a discerning between what is right and what is wrong. There has to be a discerning between what is acceptable to God and what is not acceptable to God. There has to be discerning. And, and But Jesus, he brought it to the, in, the root of the problem, which was the inward part, not the outward part. All right. Is he, why don't you turn with me to Matthew chapter 15. Let's look at this together. Matthew chapter 15, the disciples or the the Pharisees asked Jesus in verse 2. And he says, why do thy disciples transgress the tradition of the elders? For they wash not their hands when they eat bread. So this was part of their tradition to keep the body pure in their minds. And verse 10, we'll jump down to then. And he called the multitude and said unto them, hear and understand Not that which goeth into the mouth defileth a man, but that which cometh out of the man, this defileth a man. Then came his disciples and said unto him, Knowest thou that the Pharisees were offended after they heard this saying? So they were, the Pharisees took issue with this because to them it was so important how you eat. And how you wash your hands and what you eat. And Jesus is saying it's not what goes in the mouth, it's what comes out of the mouth that defiles the man. And and he answered and said, every plant, verse 13, which my heavenly father has not planted shall be rooted up. Let them alone. They be blind leaders of the blind. And if the blind lead the blind, both shall fall into the ditch. Then answered Peter and said unto him, declare unto us this parable. And Jesus said, are you also yet without understanding? Do you not understand that whatsoever entereth in at the mouth goeth into the belly and is cast out into the draught? But those things which proceed out of the mouth come forth from the heart. For they and they defile the man. In other words, it's a man's confession that comes from his heart, that will defile a man. Your confession is so important. It's your confession that that can establish or can defile your healing. You know, when Jesus said to the woman, thy faith has made thee whole. You know, that Brother Branham takes that word whole many places in the Bible. It's one of the Greek words that he, he, he dissects a lot. He says it's the Greek word sozo. And it's, it means whole, whether spiritually or whole naturally. 
And your confession is based on the revelation that God deposits within your heart. You're a Christian as long as you confess that you're a Christian. As long as you're able from your heart to say, I believe that the Lord Jesus Christ is my Savior. When he reveals himself to you personally and you accept him on the basis of the atonement of Calvary, you are saved by faith and that by grace, not of any works. Not because I did this or not because I did that or not because I go to this church or not because I listen to that preacher or not because I listen to it or not because I believe the message, but rather because it's revealed to me. That Jesus Christ is my personal Savior. Then you confess that as long as you confess that you're a Christian. And so also by his stripes you are healed. As long as you confess that you are healed. When it's a revelation to you you're going to confess it. Amen. We know that works is faith expressed. And so when the faith is deposited within the believer's heart, then there's something within you that says, it doesn't matter how this body feels. It doesn't matter what my hindrances are. It doesn't matter what the doctors say. It doesn't matter what medical science has to offer. It only matters one thing. By his stripes, I am healed. That is my confession. That will be my confession every day if it's real to you. If it's just an intellectual confession, just say, well, I heard I got to keep repeating it. You know, Brother Branham, we talk about the story of John Ryan. It's a great testimony. The man that was blind and came in the prayer line and, and, uh, uh, Brother Branham says, go on your way. The Lord Jesus Christ heals you. He says, what should I do? And he went on his way. Rather, he come back the next day. His eyes were not open. He says, you said I was healed. Brother Branham says, you said you believed. And he says, I do believe. What should I do? And Brother Brown says, knowing that he was Catholic, that he had to have something to do. He says, just go on confessing it. Go on telling everybody that you're healed. So he stood on the street corner. Extra, extra. Praise God, I'm healed. He sat in the barber's chair. Praise God, I'm healed. Brother Branham said he had to keep confessing it until it was real to him. And when it was real to him, his eyes come open. Now listen, that didn't make no difference from day one to day 14, whatever it was when he was healed two weeks later, didn't make no difference about the power of God. The promise of God's word did not change. But something had to deposit within his heart from the word, just like the woman with the blood issue that said, this is God's word. Praise God for healing me. By his stripes, I am healed. By his stripes, I am delivered. Doesn't matter what devil you're battling tonight. You're battling a devil. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. There's an action to resist. There's a way to resist. And that is to keep yourself in the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. So it's that which comes out of the heart or out of the mouth that proceeds from the heart. But so when the revelation of the word is deposited within the heart, it can't help but create a confession. And it's that confession that is evidence of something that's already within the heart. Amen. There's many treatments, remedies according to the law. For the outward. But there's only one for the inward. Touching Jesus. Is all that really matters.
Brother Brown takes two scriptures. Is this all right so far? All right. He, he puts two scriptures when he concerning the state of the church, the New Testament church, and the uncleanness in the church. All right, and he, he largely brings it from two scriptures. The first one is Isaiah 28. We won't turn to it. It's familiar scripture. But it says in Isaiah 28 in verse 8, it says, For all the tables are full of vomit and filthiness, so that there is no place clean. Whom shall he teach knowledge? And whom shall he make to understand doctrine? Them that are weaned from the milk and drawn for the breast, because precept for precept must be upon precept, precept upon precept, line upon line, line upon line, here a little and there a little. All right, now Brother Brown takes this scripture in dealing with uncleanness in the church or the hindrance of the church. And the Bible says that the tables have come full of vomit and filthiness in the book of Isaiah. Now, what is a table? A table is an eating place. A table is not just a piece of furniture in the Bible, but it's a place where food rests on. And uh, I was thinking about uh, the, the software program that is offered by Voice of God Recordings. It's called The Table. And I thought, well, that's a good name. Because it's food. And spiritual food in due season. And, uh, you know, that's, but it's, it so it refers to always to someone's eating place, not the structure itself, but the place of meat. And so it's often referred to, um, I'll say metaphorically, I don't know if that's the right word, but the Bible talks about Saul's table. It's a place, it wasn't just meaning one piece of furniture. It was his provision. Solomon's table or the meat of his table. And even David talks about it in Psalms 23. He says, thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. So when everything is going wrong all around me, I have something to eat. I have something that God has provided and, and made a way particularly for me. We could even talk about the table of showbread that's in the tabernacle. Why was it a table? Because the showbread rested on it. It was the bread of God that rested there and the high priest could take, partake of that. But in Isaiah, he begins to say all the tables, all the places where people eat, all everywhere that people go, you know, it's the tables become full of vomit and he Immediately he says, he says, then who can be taught? He says, if they're, if where they're going to get their spiritual food is not pure, he says, then there's a problem. He says, and the problem is people cannot be properly instructed. There's too much doctrines of man coming into the church. There's too many things that come out of the mind of man and, and things that men trying to put together in their own mind. And so he begins to, to treat that as a very negative thing. And Brother Branham takes that and brings it into the modern denominational world. And says now the church has become really tables of men and become places that are full of vomit. And, and then he takes another scripture out of Peter and he says, he says in Second Peter chapter 2, it says, For after they have escaped the pollutions of the world through the knowledge of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, they are again entangled therein and overcome. The latter end is worse 
with them than the beginning. For it had been better for them that they had not known the way of righteousness than after they had known it to turn from the holy commandment delivered unto them. But it happened unto them according to the true proverb, the dog is turned to his own vomit again, and the sow that was washed to her wallowing in the mire. And so Brother Branham takes this and says, the people come out of the world, they come into the church, but then they turn back to worldliness. They turn back to things that will defile them. They'll go back to things that that will cause a separation between them and God. Listen, saints, there's no worse place to be than to be in a church and have a separation between you and God. Hello? There's no place we 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 need to run away from than to than to be a believer and to have something in our life. The Bible says, "If our hearts condemn us not, then we have confidence towards God." There's got to be a purity in our hearts. There's got to be a cleansing that says, "I come to the house of God, Lord. I've got to be in connection with you." Amen, Lord, wash me from the things of the world. Separate me from the unrighteousness of the age. It's not just a coming to church, but it's a crying out to God. This is the house of God. It's not the house of the people. It's the house of God. We have come into His house. We have come to worship His name. We have come to glorify Him. We have come to humble ourselves. We have come to bow in His presence. We have come that we might meet with Him. We have come that we might touch the hem of His garment. Amen. We must meet God here every service, service after service. It doesn't matter how emotional the preacher is. It doesn't matter how eloquent the preacher is. <laughs> I said I wasn't going to say this, but I might as well say it. I'm here. Brother Murphy talked about the perfect Murphy. I have a perfect Tim in my mind, and I haven't found him yet. A perfect Tim preaches a perfect sermon. And I've never done that yet in my life. You know, you just want to get in. The preachers know what I'm talking about. You want to get in. You want to say everything right. You want the word to be just exactly. And you want the people to just walk out of here so exhilarated and so exalted and everything. Because I laid out the perfect sermon and it never has happened. Amen. Praise the Lord. That's the way it is. Everybody's got their idea of perfection. Mine has never been works. Maybe because I'm not Chinese. I don't know. But, you know, it's never been a labor, but it's been, oh, to just say everything exactly right. But, you know, the scripture said, isn't that the scripture? A man that offends not in word, the same as a perfect man. Amen. But it doesn't matter upon the man, because no matter how perfect the sermon is, it will never impart revelation by the man. Revelation only comes from God. And it was the woman's revelation. Jesus didn't say to her, because you heard a perfect sermon. Because you did a perfect work. Because because you've done this or you've done that. Able by faith offered unto God a more excellent sacrifice than that of Cain. Amen. There was something about Abel that he had a revelation. He knew how to touch God. And God confirmed it. God showed that his sacrifice was accepted. Because Abel came by revelation. Hallelujah. Don't turn back to the world. Come here and be clean. Go to God in the morning and be clean. 
Go to God in the evening and be clean. Go to Him in the afternoon and be clean. Because we're walking in a world that is very unclean like it was in the days of Noah. But Lord, don't let me have my heart like those that are in the world. Let my heart be right before God. You know, Lot came out, I think of poor Lot. Just made some wrong decisions. Didn't have a revelation like Abraham did. Wasn't a part of the promise of Abraham. But yet God allowed him to be rescued. And there was Lot, we know, who went down into Sodom. And the kings of Sodom got cap, brought captive. The cities were, the five cities were uh, brought into captivity. And Abraham took his servants and went down and rescued them. Praise the Lord. And he brought back Lot. And he brought back all the things of the cities. And of course he met Melchizedek on the way back. And that was Abraham's experience as his heart was right before God. But yet there was Lot whose heart was not right before God. And as he as he was brought back with Abraham, what would you do? You're in a situation, you're in Sodom, you're brought into captivity, your whole family is carried away, all your goods are carried away. Abraham comes and rescues you. I think if I was there, I would want to be able to say, I would say, you know what, I'm done with Sodom. I'm done. Put Sodom behind me. I don't want no part of Sodom anymore. You know, let it, let, let me be completely free of that. But Lot did not. He went right back to where he came from. The tables are full of vomit. The dog is returned to its wallow and, or the saw, the pig to its wallow and the dog to its vomit. And, and, and so the, so was the church as it came out in the Reformation and, and Luther, how in his day he became under the word of God, the just shall live by faith. And he came out under that and there was, and Luther himself, if you read about Luther's life and his desire for the word of God, as much as it was revealed in that day, it was real to him. And he desired it with everything that was in him. And even though it wasn't fully restored like it is in our day, Luther in his day was sold out to the word that was made real to him in that day. But there were others that were interested in worldly things. They were interested in denomination. They were interested in organization. They were interested in earthly kingdoms. And the revival became burned down and became nothing because the people wanted to connect with earthly uh, characteristics rather than separate themselves completely unto God. I, I, maybe I'm just preaching a warning tonight. Separate yourself completely unto God. How many tonight would say, and I'm, it's just a hypothetical question. I don't want to show a hands. We're not asking for an altar call. But how many would say, I want God more than I want anything. I want more of God. And that's why I'm here tonight. And I'm sure that's why you're here tonight. I want him to take complete possession of my life. Not because brother Tim says so. 
Not because it just came across the pulpit, not because just now it struck me, though it's good that it just struck you. But yet in all of it, there's something down on the inside of my heart that says, I really need to touch the hem of his garments. Hallelujah. I need to be touched by him and to touch him. Amen. My, it's quiet in here. But that's all right. Are you listening? Amen. I appreciate that. But this woman received something that's so important. And here's where I come to my subject. This woman received the revelation that would purify her life from the inside to the outside. Hallelujah. To rise above where everybody else was trying to live in that day. Luther received a revelation. Wesley received a revelation. What were they being restored to? They were being restored back to what was originally given. It wasn't something new. Brother Bradham talking about that first age. He says, the first was that lion that roared, that pure, unadulterated word. That was the first age. That was the beginning of the church. That was the beginning of what God was doing that he would ultimately bring to fruition. This is in the fifth seal. But then in the Christ, the mystery of God revealed after the seals, when he's talking about the seventh seal, he says, as God took from the body of Adam, the woman, and she fell. Then God has took from the body of Christ, his flesh, his body, which is his word, and is bringing a bride out that won't fall by denomination or creed. Amen. Here we are now. He says she's coming back to the pure, unadulterated word of God being manifested. Amen. He says, I hope every man that hears this tape and every woman will understand that. She's the second Eve. She will not break. She's not breaking or spoiling her skirts of purity and holiness to her husband. Amen. He says she'll stay with the word regardless of what anybody says. Because there's something in her that God is sending the full revelation of the word to bring her into the purity that God has designed only for the bride of Jesus Christ. Everything that we touch in this world, and this is where I want to come to tonight, everything that we deal with in our lives must have the revelation of the word of God applied to it. It's the revelation of the word of God that purifies. It's the revelation of the word of God that keeps us clean. Amen. As David says, you know, in one place, he says, Lord, purge me with hyssop. What does hyssop represent? It just represents simple faith. Lord, if there's something in my life that's not right before you, just reveal it to me. Just show me in the revelation of your word. I want to be clean in your sight because I want to be able to touch the hem of your garment. Amen. The cleanest that the people that that will be upon the earth is the bride of Jesus Christ. Not of works, but by revelation. 
By faith, a revelation, Abel offered unto God a more excellent sacrifice. By revelation, the woman touched the hem of his garment. By revelation, the bride of Jesus Christ is cleansed. Brother Brown was asked a question. He says, will the bride go through the tribulation? He says, no, because she's purified before by the blood of Jesus Christ. She doesn't need to go through the tribulation because the tribulation is for the purification of those who rejected the blood. But the bride of Jesus Christ does not reject the blood. How did one not reject the blood and the other did? Is it a vial? Is it a, is it a physical substance? No, it's not something like that. It's the revelation of the word of your hour. The word became flesh. The word bled for you. And in your day, the word becomes revealed. And it's that revealing of the word in your life that purifies you. Amen. Amen. That purified the woman that touched his garment. That purifies the bride of Jesus Christ. Brother, or the scripture says, husbands love your wives. This is where we ended last time we preached. Husbands love your wives even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it that he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of water by the word. Amen. That he might present to himself a glorious church. Not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that it should be holy and without blemish. Amen. Pure. A pure church. Not having spot or wrinkle. Why? Because she is washed in the revelation of the word. Amen. Brother Branham says in the church age book, he says, and this is a familiar quote, but he says the importance of revelation by the Spirit to a true believer can never be overemphasized. Revelation means more to you than perhaps you realize. It means more to you than your works. It means more to you than the church that you go to. It means more to you than just about anything in your life. Because revelation is the only thing that washes you and makes you into a pure bride. It's not just revelation to understand mysteries. It's not just revelation to know what the seals are about or who the, what the names of the church age messengers are or, or, or what the, what the mysteries are that's been revealed, the truth of the Godhead and all of those kind of things. It's those things that wash you and make you pure in heart. The revelation of the word of God. So Brother Branham says, he says, he goes into Peter where he says, upon this rock I'll build my church. He says, the church is built on revelation. He says, how did Abel know what to do and what to do in order to offer a proper sacrifice to God? By faith he received the revelation of the blood. Cain didn't get such a revelation even though he had a commandment. So he couldn't offer the right sacrifice. It was a revelation from God that made the difference. Hallelujah. It was a revelation from God that made the difference in your life. It was a revelation from God that made the difference in my life. Somebody might have prayed for you. Somebody might have, might have spent time with you. Somebody might have done something for you. But it was revelation that changed you. 
Amen. It was upon this rock that God builds his church. He says he... He says it was a revelation from God that made the difference and gave Abel eternal life. Now you might take what the pastor says or what the seminary says, and though it might be taught to you with eloquence, until God reveals it to you, that Jesus is the Christ, and that it is the blood that cleanses you, and that God is your Savior, you will never have eternal life. It is the spiritual revelation that does it. Amen. Brother Branham walked out in the wilderness, in the desert, so to speak, in the latter part of his ministry, having seen God do so many things. I often ponder these great heroes of the faith. Particularly Brother Branham's life because it was so very transparent. His questions were transparent. His weaknesses were transparent. His mistakes were transparent. Yes, Brother Branham made mistakes. God never makes mistakes. But we make mistakes. And the reason that God chooses such frail flesh... God has never chose to, never chose a perfect man in all the scriptures other than creating the perfect man, the Lord Jesus Christ, to dwell in. And yet in all of that is because that no flesh should glory in his presence. And there, Brother Branham, after all that he did in his life, all that God had done, the commission, the visions, Supernatural upon supernatural. Sick healed. Thousands upon thousands of lives that were affected by a sacrificial life of one man. One man completely surrendered to God. Blind eyes were open. Dead were raised. These are realities. These are not stories. Even we could say, we could talk about the creative power of God and the squirrels and different things. This man lived a consecrated life. He lived, he gave of himself, he fasted often. He prayed much. But in the, even in the end, towards the end of his ministry, I could even go beyond the seals and talk about 1965, I believe it is, 1965. He goes out into the wilderness because he needs more revelation. He'd seen God do so much, but he needed more revelation. Lord, how will I preach marriage and divorce? What will I say to the people in my congregation that are divorced and remarried? These are not easy questions. This is a man that recognizing his commission and that people hang on his word, that he realizes what he's going to say in that service is going to impact thousands upon thousands of marriages 
Are you with me? Your words might not have that kind of impact. My words might not have that kind of impact. But his words did. And so he was very, very sincere. He wasn't looking for more miracles. He wasn't looking for more power. He wasn't looking for more, uh, I'll say necessarily sincerity. But what he needed was more revelation. He needed thus saith the Lord. And God came down and gave it to him. And because of that, we have even the answer on marriage and divorce. Because God gave revelation. Without that, without revelation, without the opening of the seals, without God meeting Brother Branham in the desert, without the seven angels coming with those mysteries, there could have been no bride gathering. Hello? Hello, bride. I'll tell you right now, without the seals being opened, you wouldn't be here tonight. Think about that. Where would you be tonight? What would your life be tonight if it wasn't that God came down with a revelation that would purify the bride of Jesus Christ? He says in the first seal, he says, I believe through those seven thunders will be revealed in the last days in order to get the bride together for rapturing faith. Amen. There's a gathering of the bride around the world because the word has been revealed. The revelations that laid under those seven seals were necessary for one thing. That there, that, that scripture could be fulfilled, that he could present himself a bride, fully washed in the washing of the water of the word, that he could present himself a bride, not by works, not by church systems, not by great preachers, hello, not by individual men's efforts, But by the revealing of the word of God, God would bring such a revelation that each one that would catch that revelation, it would bring such a purity into their lives. It would bring such a purity into their hearts that they couldn't go a single day. But what they would say, oh God, have I offended you today? Oh, Lord, I've got to be in relationship with you today because it would move them beyond just being a church into the nature of the bride of Jesus Christ. It would move them into a place where the the focus, the entire focus of the bride of Jesus Christ is on the bridegroom. She can think of nothing else. She doesn't want her day to be distracted from the bridegroom. She doesn't want the chores of life and the affairs of life and the different things to distract her and say, but the one thing I must focus on today is that I might please my bridegroom. Are you with me tonight? If the word has, hasn't impacted you in that way, it needs to. It's not the preaching. It's not the church. We thank God for the preachers. We thank God for the church. We thank God for the vision. We thank God for every benefit that we have here. But this word, this sacred word that God, oh Lord, it's a sacred word that God has brought in this hour that says, I'm going to save it to the last days because in the last days, I'm going to wash my bride with this word all the way to purity. 
and she will stand in my sight totally spotless because of this revelation that I will drop into her heart and make her what I always intended her to be in my eyes. Hallelujah. I say praise be to God. It's only something he could do. Not in the natural waters of outward cleansing, but in the purification that only the revelation of the word can bring. It wasn't my repentance. It wasn't you repenting as the musicians come. It wasn't my trying to be something or it wasn't me figuring it out. It wasn't you figuring it out. But God comes down with the revelation in this hour. He deals with the church through the office of a prophet. He reveals the mysteries as he said he would. In Revelation chapter 10, in the days of the voice of the seventh angel. But it's not about a man. It's not about uh, some kind of uh, natural thing out in a desert or somewhere. But he says, this is the ingredient that will make my bride the pure in heart. Because without them, the rest of the church cannot be made perfect. This bride of Jesus Christ. Let's stand to our feet. Just a little exhortation tonight. Nothing real deep. But just making us realize the value of the revelation that God has delivered in this age. May it have an impact in our lives. Like revelation impacted Abel's life. Like revelation impacted the woman with the blood issue. As she touched his garment and she was made whole. Oh, if you have a need tonight, why don't you say, Lord, just reveal to me the answer to my need. Uh, give us clean hands 435 let's sing this together we bow our hearts we bend our
are you tonight? Where's your heart tonight? Is your heart pure before God? Is your desire just the revelation of his word, which is the revelation of him, Christ personally to you? That is the new birth, by the way, the revelation of Jesus Christ personally to you. When he comes down and makes himself known and seals you on the inside of the inside, there's nobody can turn you away from that. But sometimes we rub shoulders with the world. We get distracted. Young men, young women, married couples. You've been down the road a long way. We, we have our hope is in the Lord and in the coming of the Lord. But for whatever reason, it hasn't happened yet. He's been long suffering. But as the time goes on, the onslaught of the enemy gets strong. It tries to distract our eyes from the things that are important. Maybe there's one person here tonight that would just say, Oh God, don't let me be distracted. Don't let me be caught up in a day of Noah where the thoughts of men are continually evil. Oh God, where criticism and evil things are on every hand. Lord, just let me walk with you. Let me be a generation. Let me be a part of a people that seek your face. That, that look for you in the opening of the word. That desire the things which are eternal, not the things which are natural. Won't you make that your prayer tonight? Just, just, you might want to lift your hand. You might want to lift your heart. Whatever you want to do as we pray. Heavenly Father. Lord, my heart is burning within me tonight, oh God. We see the battle is hot all around us. But Lord, you set a table before us in the presence of our enemies, oh God. You lay the word out, oh Lord, that we might be partakers of it, oh God. You reveal your mysteries, oh Lord, that our hearts might be pure in your presence, oh God. We make mistakes. We have failures. And we say, oh God, forgive us. But Lord, let there be a sealed heart on the inside of the inside that determines the course of our life and separates us and cleanses us from the natural things of this world which try and attach themselves to our beings, oh God. We want to be pure in your presence, oh God. Regardless of everybody in the world that is jostling with what they see, we want to touch the hem of your garment, Lord. Oh, let virtue flow from your presence, oh God. Let the pure in heart be touched by you tonight, oh Lord. Come by our way, Lord, that we might, Father, just reach out a hand of faith and say, Lord, we're yours. And we just desire that which is the promise of your word. Touch your elect once again tonight, Lord. Draw us near to you. Take this little, little thought tonight. And I pray, oh God, you'd anchor it within the souls of believers. That, Lord, we are not of the unclean. But we are of those that have been washed in the water of the word. And we cry from within our hearts. Give us clean hands. Lord, you brought a pure heart like Isaiah into your presence. Oh God, who saw the purity, the angels who in your presence covered their face. They were holy angels, but they covered their face and they covered their feet. 
And then Isaiah, what could he say, Lord? But, Lord, forgive me. Woe is me, I'm a man of unclean lips. But, Lord, you took, you sent an angel to take a coal of fire. And you touched his lips. And, Lord, may you touch our lips. May you touch our eyes. May you touch our ears. Lord, may you touch our every fiber of our being with that coal of fire, oh God, that we could walk in this generation as a people that seek and know the Lord their God. Lord, we give our lives unto you this Wednesday night. We've come into the house of God to meet with you. And we say, oh Lord, we love you. We adore you. And Lord... We give all of our ways unto you if ever we have fault. Lord, forgive us our faults. Forgive us our trespasses. Forgive us our failings, which are often in this fleshly tabernacle. But Lord, give us that pure heart that only comes from the revelation of your word. We bow our hearts. We bend our knees. generation let that be your confession that's what I'm here for today that's what I'm here for tomorrow to seek that God the God of Jacob the God of Israel amen we love him so much remember the young people's on Friday night I think that they want you there a little bit early if possible starts at 730 but be there as early as you can they want to get set up for what they're doing that evening Amen. Shake hands with one another as you go or stay, whichever you prefer. God bless you. The service is dismissed in Jesus' name.